I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. Welcome to our show where we ask the cage-old question, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? And we're answering it by watching every film he's ever made. I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And we're your hosts today and every day. So for our first episode, we are watching, well, we have watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent that's released April 22nd, directed by Tom Gormican, written by Gormican and Kevin Etten. Starring Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, Sharon Horgan, and of course, the incomparable, the one, the only, Nicolas Cage. For future episodes, we'll be watching the films in chronological order, starting in the good old 1980s and working our way up to his current releases. 40 years of cinema! We'll also have guests from time to time to diversify our pool of opinions on the cage-old question. But today, it's just us and the unbearable weight of massive talent. Now, we are going to be talking about the movie so there will be spoilers so if you haven't seen it definitely go see it and then listen but if you're like you know what i don't care i'm, I'm here to listen to the pod i want to listen to get into the movie <laughs> feel free but we will be spoiling right that's that's, that's right. right that's right and another disclaimer here we are not affiliated with any of these studios no. in, uh we uh, uh, that's not technically true actually i am an employee of a subsidiary of lionsgate which but, did but they which did which release, did release this, this movie, movie but they have nothing to do with this podcast no. they don't even know i'm doing this podcast nobody's gonna nobody's gonna snitch because everything's gonna be fine because our opinions are not the opinions but anyone no other than ourselves. Other than ourselves. So we are not representing Lionsgate here. <laughs> we're not. All right? We're not at all. We're not <laughs> at all. And we're laughing, but it's because we're nervous. We're not joking. We're not joking. So uh, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the movie. Uh, so what is what is it about, Christina? Um. So the movie is what people call meta. Meta. <laughs> not Facebook meta. <laughs> no. 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 Um, but it is about a verse in sense where where two universes reflect in on themselves, the world of the fictional world and then the world of quote unquote reality is usually what meta means. Like when you have uh, you can see the inner workings and see the artifice exposed. And here you see that through Nicolas Cage talking to himself and self-referencing his previous works. Movies. Yeah. And I, I actually like you that. You asked me what the movie was about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, this was a joke because I haven't told you. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, to kind of go back on like that, like self-referential uh, parts of it, I like it so much. Wait, we haven't said what the movie is okay, about. Okay. The well, movie, well, I started babbling about meta, well, but I needed to say that it's about, it's about Nicolas Cage is the actor and he, he gets into a dramatic entanglement. Because he's an actor. And it's fun. And it's meta because it's reflecting because he is an actor and he's playing himself. Yeah. That's what's so meta about it. <laughs> That's what's so meta. Because Nicolas Cage is actually an actor and he's playing an actor. Oh and he's my playing god. Himself. You crushed that, Christina. Oh. Don't even worry. Don't even worry. We're going to keep that all in there. No. Don't worry. We're not cutting any of this. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> just as Christina said, it is, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage, is, he's, he's out of money. 
that's the whole the whole plot is he's out of money he needs to make some money so he got it. he has to go to this very rich person's birthday party uh, but it all gets a little complicated when the CIA gets involved uh, saying that this uh, guy played by Javi played by Pedro Pascal uh, is actually the leader of a cartel and he's a murderous kidnapper and they need his help to take him down and so then he gets entangled because he becomes really good friends with Javi Javi who happens Hobby. to be Hobby. Hobby, Hobby. Hobby, Hobby. Uh, he becomes really good friends Hobby's with Hobby. Hobby's Hobby is Nicolas Cage. Hobby's Hobby is Nicolas Cage. He loves Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, dramatic entanglement ensues. I keep wanting to stop you being like, don't spoil the movie. But we're spoiling I mean, it. We're spoilers it. We're ahead. We're spoiling it. And it's good because we can talk about things like the CIA being involved and how that was one of the weaker parts of the movie because I think there's so much like good character work and like a lot of heart in the movie and then when you put the cia in you're putting this like disgusting despicable monster <laughs> and you're trying to act like tiffany haddish would ever work for such tiffany a foul haddish agency would never work for she the would CIA. never work let's for make, the international terrorist organization she's too funny even in the movie as a cia <laughs> yeah. operative she's too funny and there's she's no way CIA. funny she's gorgeous she also would never um um you know, she would be great at it. She'd be great I'm at just it. saying, there's Let's, a part of the movie that implies that she maybe wouldn't succeed at it. Yes. And that's At the very least, the CIA Marty. operatives kind of look like buffoons in here. They, they look yeah, like they have none of their... Which feels realistic. Which feels realistic. But, but they're but, lovable, which does not feel Which does not just feel realistic. And yeah. if Tiffany Haddish was a CIA yes. operative, actually... Yes. She'd be better at it. Yes. Yes. Exactly, exactly. right. So exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. <clears throat> Um, so in terms of the, like, self-referentialism mm-hmm. of it all, I do think we are in an age of, like, multiverses and, like, you know, what studio has what IP. And this is weird because it does feel like we are in the multiverse of Nicolas Cage movies all existing in this movie, right? It's almost like an Avengers Endgame of Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. You're so embarrassing. You're so well, embarrassing. No, I love it. I love it. But it's just it's just, it's just, just funny to hear that that's your take on it. Because my take on it is like, oh, you know, meta has existed for a long time. We've, <laughs> had, we've had meta practices in stage theater for a long time where you are breaking the fourth wall or you have the set visible or you would have people referencing real life stuff and you also have fair use factors which is what we're able to do on the podcast is like talk about this stuff and and hear clips from the movie ideally because you're allowed to create art by referencing other art you just have to create something original new and you're telling me about Avengers? Makes me want to be sick to my stomach. <laughs> well, <laughs> but well. this film. <laughs> now, this film, what I want to say is, I think my point was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it does it so lovingly. It doesn't feel yeah. disgusting like some, yeah. like, <clears throat> sorry for any Space Jam 2 heads out there. Ooh. But they have, they cram so much IP into that. They're like, mm. do you know what Warner Brothers has? We have yeah. all of these things, yeah. all right? Mm-hmm. And this doesn't, it feels so loving, like, I think it, it is hard, like, because I was actually listening to a few of the interviews um, with the directors and uh, the director and the writer. Oh, good. Oh, who's who's a, a director? Uh, it was Tom Gormick and, and uh, Kevin Etten. And Kevin, Kevin what? Kevin Etten. That's Etten. Yes, Etten. E-T-T-N. Great job, Kevin. Etten heads out there. Um, it's a great script. It's a great script. Well, they, Blacklist they, script, Blacklist right? script. Well, so, yeah. So, uh, to get into the history of this yeah, movie, yeah. 
uh, so the two writers and one of the uh, Gormican who wrote it uh, oh, also directed it, oh. Tom Gormican. Uh, so they wrote this in like I want to say 2018, 2019, and they were writing it oh, as didn't a. Didn't even know about. COVID. They didn't even know about COVID. <laughs> they wrote it as a calling card, almost like they weren't writing this thinking this will get made. They thought oh. this will get us noticed. <gasps> like this is the kind of script where it's funny, it's interesting, it's mm. a fantastic script. Great script. Uh, it's one of those movies you just tell the writing is good, and. And Hollywood insiders know that the blacklist is like a notorious collection of like the most hot and upcoming and, and it will be like celebrities like Mindy Kaling will be on the blacklist, but it will also be people who have not had a feature exactly. ever made before. Exactly. And- Thanks for clarifying. Um, and so it was like on the, on the top of it because everyone was like, this is a fantastic script, but it is all contingent on if Nicolas Cage is playing Nick Cage. So let's me also be clear. Nicolas Cage is playing a fictionalized version of, of himself called Nick Cage. Not Nicholas. It's not Nicholas once in the movie. Mm. And his younger self is Nicky. Mm. And I believe is credited as Nicky Coppola. Mm-hmm. Because if you know, Nick Cage comes from the Coppola like extended filmmaker family that's all very talented, all have been in Hollywood for a very long time. Francis Ford Coppola. Sophia, Sophia Coppola. Coppola. And then what's that guy... Justin not oh, Coppola. Uh, I mean Jason Schwartzman. Jason is a, Schwartzman. He's a Coppola. Uh, it's it's I, my pet name for him is Justin Coppola. He Justin, hates it. He hates he's it. always like it's Jason. Every time we see stop. Schwartzman, he's like, "Stop <laughs> calling me that, Christina." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's this big family. But early on in his career, he was like, "I want to make it on my own. I want to be. I don't want to be known as a Coppola. I want to be known as my own individual self." And he did a good job of that because I never knew he was a Coppola. You wouldn't know growing up exactly. But so but this he was ambling around Martha's Vineyard with the best of them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but that younger version, Nikki, yeah. is actually credited as Coppola because that's who. Yeah. That's his like. I just moved to Hollywood, yeah. and I'm gonna be an actor. Yeah. And let me tell you also, as an actor... And it's going to be exciting when we jump back into those early yes, Coppola movies. Yes. We need Coppola next. Because we're starting with... I haven't seen a lot of the movies that are referenced in Unbearable Weight of Talent. I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I just... I know him as this, like, kind of crazy, scary guy. That's my perception of Nick Cage. But I know that there's this, like, other generation of, like, he's a heartthrob to mm-hmm. them. And then there's, like, this early... Coppola, so it's yeah. gonna be exciting to see. How many how many Nicolas Cage movies do you think you've seen out of his hundred and seven films? I feel like I've seen eight. <laughs> I feel like I've only seen like maybe ten or fifteen. Like, but he's so but it is like and it is like this movie is really a impetus and a push for the movie talks about um storytelling and myth making Mm -hmm. and I think there already was a big myth of Nicolas Cage of like he is this very mythic crazy figure but I think that this movie is a very exciting examination of how you can myth make about yourself and be part of the storytelling process which takes us back to this story starts getting told without Nicolas Cage being involved at all and then you're able to attach him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they they they, they essentially got lunch with him, uh, and they were able to persuade him with a nice letter because I think 
you know, do you know where they had lunch? Was it like Tower Bar? Or I Liz? do. It was somewhere. It was somewhere downtown. I don't actually have it here right okay, here. Okay, if we, don't, you know, if we had a, a producer, uh, and it wasn't just the two of us, I'd be like, producer, look, look it up real quick, and then text it to me. Um, one day, soon we'll be we'll be hosted by the biggest studios. <gasps> but um, I think what it is is Nick Cage is definitely sensitive, and this comes up in the film because there's all kinds of like. The fandom of Nick Cage is very weird. Like, there's mm. all kinds of super cuts on YouTube of just him screaming. Mm, there's yes. those pillows that are Nick Cage's face, which uh, is prominently featured in the movie. Yeah. Um, and he gave those as gifts to the cast as well. I don't know if I, he gave oh, them oh, as gifts, God. but the cast did get all gifts of Nicolas Cage. And he signed them. So, so he's, he, in, he's in on the joke. Yeah, he's in on the joke. Um, awesome. But I think this was coming from a place of love. Like this was coming like we we love you. Like we love your body of work. We don't think yeah. it's goofy or like like in a bad way. We think like you are a fan of expressionism. You are doing things other actors aren't doing. And because of that, people are able to like be like, "Oh, this is different," right? Like the way you're so expressive and you scream and you make big choices every single time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or Well, here's my thing. I've only seen eight out of these hundreds of movies. Well, yes, that's that's part I'm... of it. You say, like, they're not goofy. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know yet. He has been I'm, goofy. <laughs> I'm, I really want to... I respect this man. He is a hard worker. He is clearly um, an industry force and is a mythic figure that I'm excited to examine. Um, he is also a human at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But... We're also asking the question, like, maybe he's not the greatest actor of all time. Maybe if you do too many goofy, weird movies, you can never hold that accolade. But maybe you can. Maybe you maybe, can. Maybe all the screaming comes through into a big scream into the void to be heard forever. Oh. So moving forward, I want to talk about this expressionism again. Because Nicolas Cage's favorite movie is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which plays a heavy... Which uh, you've seen? Which uh, we've both seen. You may oh. have fallen asleep. Oh, again. oops. Um, which if we will not tell Nick because this is his favorite well, movie. Well, maybe I'll rewatch it. Yeah, maybe I'll rewatch it for So him. what happens in Gavin? Well, it's it's like a silent German film from the 20s. It's over 100 years old and oh it's God. this uh, hypnotist who's controlling this like... Um, like townsman who's going out and doing murders for him and the set is so wacky and zany and what's wild is in the first half of this movie they reference this movie like the cabinet of dr caligari multiple times Mm. and initially the in the ending of the movie if you've seen it you know that there's a bit of a uh like spotlight on nicky versus nick Mm. uh to see who controls who this man is mm. the vain actor or the loving father ah. um, and initially it was supposed to be on the cabinet of Dr. Caligari said they actually filmed a full sequence of that but they had to cut it ah. luckily our our dear friend Nicolas Cage said do not worry when this comes out on home video on DVD or Blu-ray it will be there uh, it'll be in the extended scene so tune back in whenever we get that we oh. will get a copy yes. and we will inform everyone how it looks yes uh, let's talk a little bit just kind of about the other Nick Cage in this movie Nicolas Cage is incredible mm-hmm. I think he's giving an, mm-hmm. an yeah. incredible performance in yeah. terms of asking if he's the greatest actor of all time because I don't think it's easy to play yourself or even a version of yourself it's like a, it can come off I think a little silly 
but I think he plays it with a lot of heart and emotion. Like he plays it as an actor, <laughs> as an actor myself. I feel like he is so in touch with that nervousness that actors have, where even he, though he is a massive celebrity, he's a huge star, and he's an incredible actor, he's still like, I, I'll get nervous about my next project. I want to book the next big thing. I know that feeling. I've been trying to book the next big thing for the last five years. You know what I mean? Um, but I think he plays that emotion so sincerely and so with it. And I think some of the best, like a lot of good films are actors who are able to play themselves so realistically. Like uh, another one is This Is The End, uh, where a bunch of those comedians are playing themselves and they do a great job. It's so funny. It's so cute that you say, like, as an actor, like, oh, it's so hard because as an actor's wife to be, I'm constantly begging you to take the note to, like, be more like yourself. Like, play yourself. Be Artun is what I say whenever we're recording <laughs> That is true. And you get so mad. And you'll yell at me and be like, I don't know how to be Artun. I don't know how to be Artun. I want to be Nicolas Cage. I'm like, no, let me scream in my I'm auditions. Like, you should be Artun because he's the best. He's fantastic. And he's who I want to see too. And I think, I think it's so loving and wonderful that you pick up on that in this film because that's what I love about it too. I love – I mean – there is still a part of you that I think asks the question, like, is this all an act? Like, does he go in his trailer and he powers down and he's actually like a really spooky, like, ghoul battery person? <laughs> or is this like a at least somewhat accurate representation? Because if so, <laughs> like you feel justified in loving him. You're mm -hmm. like, this is this is someone that I'm happy to adore, which is how I feel about you. And I will also say is how I feel about Pedro Pascal, who is oh. also in this movie. And he is another person that you just hope like, I hope he's like that in real life. Yes, because Pedro Pascal in this movie is oh incredible. Oh my God. You're you in love with him. He's, yeah. he, I'm in love with Pedro. It's also, he... I think what he does, I think what's so good about this movie as well, mm -hmm. um, is one, Pedro Pascal must in real life be a Nicolas Cage fan. And who is it? Oh, because yeah. you can just see in his eyes, he's so happy to be oh, working with him in this movie. So nice. And he's able to bring it with Javi. Oh. The other thing is, I think, especially in recent uh, like culture, mm. the archetype of the super fan is this like nerd who's like yelling at George Lucas on Twitter, being like, I have every Star Wars collectible. What are you doing? Episode, you know, screw you, Ryan Johnson. Episode <gasps> eight is guard. Like, that's the archetype of the super fan, right? Oh. Whereas Javi, Pedro, uh. is just so cool. And like, he's like, everything, he's, he's like doing it all with love. He's like a super cool, fun guy. And every time he looks at Nicolas Cage, he's looking at him with like adoration. Uh, all of their it's like such a nice bromance. It's and such a nice. Bromance. I think that's the best part of the movie is the part oh, yeah. that's about the friendship and the part that's about the character study. And it's it's fun and weird because the movie reflects on this. Javi's like, I think the best part of the movie is when it's character driven and about this story of friendship. <laughs> I think muddling it up with the kidnapping is is not it's the right direction. And I agree with that too. Of like, there's definitely fun stuff to be said about the kidnapping plotline but the best parts of this movie are 
just exploring like Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal like falling in love as friends and how that improves the aspects of the rest of their lives and their other relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a they have a wonderful scene where they take acid together and it's so funny it's just perfect the two of them together other than the driving on acid is is not funny it's it's like what it doesn't make any sense and it's not funny because it's so dangerous but the rest of it the rest of it whenever they're looking at each other they're like scampering around there's such good good scampering and uh you know there's also a a moment in this uh where that's a Pedro Pascal says his third favorite movie of all time is Paddington 2. Let's actually go ahead and listen to this clip. Thank you. Can you just stop stalling and answer the question? What is your third favorite movie of all time? Paddington 2. What? Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Paddington 2. Connect those dots. I mean, I don't want to be a snob, but... I cried through the entire thing and made me want to be a better man. Bullshit, Mom! (laughs) Paddington 2 is incredible. I fucking told you. And Nick Cage loves it. He's like, Paddington 2 is an excellent movie, which I've been trying to tell people for a long time. For a long time, it was my number one on Letterboxd. In my top four, I had my cover photo of it. If you're not on Letterboxd, by the way, get on Letterboxd. Not an official sponsor, but just a great social media site of just logging movies and kind of writing reviews and you're just kind of going about your business there. Um, but it's just it's just lovely. It's just lovely when the two of them are hanging out. I think it's it is it is. But let's not let's we could skip away from Paddington Two without me presenting you know both sides of the argument, which is that. Having to do is a boring, terrible movie. But I love, I love that the representation is there for like loving fathers love Paddington too. Good guys love Paddington. Good guys too. love Paddington too. And and fierce mom energy, uh, women, <laughs> you gotta go to sleep. You gotta sleep during Paddington too because you can't bear this. witness. <laughs> I'm not to behind this nonsense. This. And that's what happens too. That's what happens in the end is the mom is sleeping that in is Paddington too. It's and then, so, and I think that's good representation for I, the ending women's of the, rights. I, the ending of the movie where Nick Cage is just watching Paddington two and is getting emotional with his daughter. Apparently, that was uh, the crew got emotional watching that because he just sat there and started crying, looking at the. Like, as if he was watching the film. And I'm like, that, hearing that the crew was getting emotional watching Nick Cage pretending to watch Paddington 2, that's beautiful. That's acting. All right? If we're asking the question, (laughs) is that the greatest actor of all time? Or, excuse me, alive? I do think the people there are going, yes, this is a professional. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I love that you caught yourself on um, Greatest Actor Alive. Yes. Let's be clear. Uh, we had a little bit of a back and forth whether the question we were going to be asking here is, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive or is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor of all time? Christina would not have it for all time. She's like, I don't know. There could be some dead actors who are better. There, we, we can't answer that question in good faith when there are actors like Sarah Bernhardt and people who we don't have film recordings of to say that. So let's just not talk nonsense and let's answer what we can, which is, is he the greatest actor alive? Yep. And that's what we're going to do. Now, I, uh, 
I do want to briefly bring up uh, a little bit of a tragedy. A tragedy, but with maybe a silver lining. I auditioned for this movie. For what role? Now, this is where, where I'll get into it. I auditioned for this part, uh, part of this movie where I must have been in the beginning, where Nick Cage drives oh, up and yeah. I'm in a car and I recognize him. Yes. And then I go, oh my God, you're Nick Cage. Yeah. And he goes... Yes, and, uh, you know, kind of does the Bruce Lee uh, nod and bow. Um, The part was ultimately cut from the movie, so I do feel better because the thought of having, like, the opportunity to work with him and then it getting cut, that would have been devastating. Yeah. Uh, but but now it's more like they were like, now it's more like no one did as no well as that guy as, in the audition exactly. that we didn't call back. So. They were like, it's going to be him and we don't want to we don't want to crush him later on. Yeah. Let's just cut the part altogether. It's good. It's loving filmmaking at its best. It's loving filmmaking at its best. Which I did like about, I, I mean, I don't know. I always feel dumb talking about like, oh, it's good filmmaking because I don't totally know. It'll be exciting to examine that more with our other guests who come on about like, the filmmaking aspect but I really did feel like it was like some beautiful shots and some gorgeous sound mixing and that it felt like a lovingly made film yeah it is beautiful I think they're shooting in like Croatia or Hungary and it's like every shot is like a painting there's a cliff jumping scene that's just like gorgeous you're like where is this i want to go here on vacation and the subtitles look good too i love there's spanish the subtitles look really good which i've been in let me tell you people (laughs) really go to bat for portrait of a lady on fire but i think the subtitles totally derail the entire (laughs) movie for me versus these subtitles are great yeah and i think steven spielberg could learn a thing or two about putting some subtitles on this Spanish. Oh, you're movie. against you're against the West Side Story. Yeah. Uh, no subtitles for yeah, the Spanish. Yeah, wow, yeah. you and my uncle. Give us subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do think when they're, if a movie's going to have subtitles, mm. make it look good. Like sometimes oh. it's in like yellow text in oh. a black box and I'm yeah. like, what are you what doing? The? Yeah. So we, we are not fans of that. Yeah. Uh, not fans of but that. But we are all. fans of hearing Pedro Pascal speak Spanish we are. and having it be gorgeously subbed. Yeah. I mean... Look, is Pedro in contention for greatest actor of all time? Maybe. But we also know his body of work doesn't even come close to that. That's the thing. How could could you challenge challenge Nick Cage? Yes. Uh, Actually, I guess in a way of how could you challenge him. (gasps) Initially, Nick Cage, Nicolas Cage, wanted to play Javi as his own super fan with someone else playing him if you thought the movie itself was meta could you imagine nicholas cage playing his own fan but when you heard pedro pascal was gonna do it he backed off because he was like i think he could do a good job so that's that's really nice thank you for backing down thank you for backing down it was a great film um i wanted to say another thing about tiffany haddish which is that she's so fantastic she's great she's so funny um, but there's also something I noticed during the movie is there's a scene where she's talking to Nicolas Cage. She turns her head, she's wearing hoop earrings, and you can see the impression of the hoop earring on her cheek. And so I have a theory that she was having a little nap in her trailer oh, just before filming. my God. And that nobody noticed <laughs> it. So... These are things. These are little things. Christina will notice the most obscure details. So if you're going to be watching along with us, she'll catch anything you miss. Don't you worry. Let Don't me you know worry. if you caught that too. 
Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did not catch that. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, the ending of the movie gets a little wild. Um, I think they they mm. kind of stick it. They kind of stick the landing. Um, but I think the first two thirds of this movie are absolutely fantastic. Um, and then it's just a good. It's like a good okay to good third third act. Yeah, because I think it is like I think the dramatic irony of their friendship is so good up top and is so good without. Um, getting darker later which i feel it does when they start killing people i think it becomes a different movie like now you're killing people and you're like this is the actor nicholas we've set this premise up i was like he's he's feeling like his mission is very high stakes but at every point he's actually just like an actor palling around with someone who loves him Mm -hmm. versus when we when we move into the end and now he's like like actively involved in murdering people he he shoots like three people and he also like stabs someone yeah and it's it is kind of funny a little bit but it is not not to me yeah Yeah. i'm i'm like i'm like this is weird i don't know how to feel i wish they had like somehow switched more of that violence into the the fake fake movie which i think is a nice touch Mm -hmm. and i thought you had we when we were talking about the movie after you you had some good points about you were like the action wasn't that strong the i don't care about yeah there's some good like action comedy moments that Mm. were good and i think that's like i think john wick kind of like revolutionized the like action comedy scene Uh, i've been saying this for a long time the john wick series fantastic series honestly the only other person other than Keanu who could have probably helmed the John Wick series could have been Nick Cage. Um, <laughs> and we could dive into that another time. Uh, but I think they were like, action can be really cool and really fun and really funny if done well. And there's a couple of shots here that I think like exist because like care has been brought back into it. I'll also say before John Wick, Jackie Chan's been doing that stuff for a long time. But no one, I don't think people give Jackie Chan the accolades he needs. Nice. I'll put I'll put that nice. out there as well. I'll put that out there as well. Good. Um, but the action itself was a little hard to follow. I found, mm. um, which is how I feel about all action. So I didn't notice. But I'm hypnotized by action. Yeah, you I'm, you are there. <laughs> I am there. I'm it. like I'm in the car. So if yeah, I don't yeah, know where yeah. I'm going, it's it's hard. It's hard to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think. But speaking oh, of where you are, just sorry, is is that I just want to say that. This film is also a love letter to L.A., in my opinion. I love all the Los Angeles shots mm-hmm. and references and stuff. And it ends with a gorgeous shot of the Pasadena City Hall, which yes. we have visited with one of my best friends from college, Hannah Deacon. Shout out. And so it's it's like exciting to see places that we've been. It is so fun to be able to, in a movie, be like, oh, that shot in L.A. on this location. Uh, it's a very... And like and like having the inner splicing of reality and real yes. things, real love, real places you love, real people you love, but also artifice. Yeah. Um. So something I was thinking about a lot during this movie, and that I think is still relevant to the greatest actor alive conversation, is also about examining your um. The insecurity versus confidence versus narcissism of being an actor. And I think this movie, what I do like about the plot line about the family and the daughter and stuff 
is that it also adds in the question of can you be the greatest actor alive if you're a crummy dad if you have a crummy home life if you don't Mm -hmm. if you don't love people if you don't take care of your family or the ones you love like are are you still allowed to be the greatest actor if you have these personal shortcomings Mm -hmm. Because my answer to that is no. I think if wow. you, I think if you are not taking care of the other aspects of your life, if you are allowing your quote unquote craft to become a poisonous well towards others, I think you're not in control of your craft and you're not the greatest actor. Well, I have good news for you then. Oh. By all accounts, uh, the when uh, Nicolas Cage got the script the part he bristled against the most was the family dynamic. Because while he has had quite a few wives, um, he is close with his children. He has two children. And he um, is welcoming, and welcoming a baby girl. A baby girl. Congratulations. Congratulations. Baby girl. Baby girl. Getting born alive getting born al- soon. Well, hopefully. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. Wood, Best wishes. No, you don't knock on wood for babies. You just, like, pray. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll pray then. Um... <laughs> But uh, he is, by all accounts, like a very, he cares about his family. He loves his family. And I think that's where he was like, I'm not really this absentee father. And that's also why he's doing that. Like, this is Nick Cage, not Nicholas yeah. Cage. Because this is not yeah. who I am. This yeah. is a version Nick of Nick Cage me. doesn't have tattoos and he's not as good of a dad as Nicholas Cage. Exactly. Nicholas exactly. Cage is a cooler, he's a cooler dad with tattoos. Right? Which is why I'm like, th- so this is why I'm like, he's the greatest actor alive. Because he's like, but I will play a version of myself that makes me look worse than I actually mm. am, right? He's not playing a version of himself that's making him look better. Good. He's like, I'll do this where I I even look like a schlep, you know, like that I I only care about myself and nice. narcissistic. Nice. Um, I would love to hear from his sons, though. Be like, you know, because Nick Cage in the movie is like, I'm a good dad. I love my daughter. True. I listen that to her true. takes. And so it would be interesting if they were mm-hmm. like, if they were like, yeah, dad never lets us pick the movies either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think he does such a wonderful job of, like where we were talking about earlier, where like it's action and it's also like a buddy romance and there's also like a spy plot. Line. Like there's like a lot of different genres in this film. There's like at least four or five different genres. And I think he so seamlessly moves throughout them. He can be mm. funny. He can be serious. He can be... Uh, the part where so there's a moment in a bar where his younger self Nikki uh, goes yeah what do you think you're gonna do like do a little Duplass movie where you're gonna be the uh, you know the gay uncle and he's like yeah that actually sounds great <laughs> and he slaps him and he's like you're Nick Cage you're the greatest actor alive alright you do not do bit parts for some Sundance director <laughs> But it is, and yeah, and it is great of like you do get this chance to see him acting across all these different roles and really examining like can he act? And and the answer is yes, and it's amazing. And it is also about like it feels very real as an examination of acting, both when you don't have to think about it, when you're just enjoying that he's being like action Nick Cage, mm-hmm. but also when you do have to think about it, the, the scenes that call you to question on like when he's drunk at his daughter's birthday party and taking up all the attention stuff and then having the audacity to be like, I'll support you, whatever you do, but just like, don't go into the arts. Because there's like, (laughs) that is such a trope of actor dads that they're like, that they are like, I am both 
like overly confident but also deeply insecure and then I have this narcissism that causes me to want to be the center of attention don't start trembling our it's okay <laughs> is she talking about me is she talking about but me? I feel like this happens and then they tell their children like don't go into the arts and it's just such nonsense because their children are watching them do all this fun stuff and mm-hmm. like create these beautiful loving movies and it's interesting because Nicolas Cage as we said comes from a family of filmmakers mm-hmm. so like you pass a craft through your family yeah and people want to do it so the audacity that his character has to both be wanting to push this lifestyle on his daughter while also denying that she should really be a part of it mm-hmm. i think is an interesting examination of what the what an actor should do with their craft as mm-hmm. well well said Oh, you look mad. (laughs) Well, look, we got two cats. I am the opposite. I've been pushing them to get out of the house a little bit more, audition, book something, bring a little money to the family. But, you know, it's just just me out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have nothing to say to that. Except I love you. I love you too. I think you're a great cat actor, Dad. Thank you. They have. I have used my cats as props in auditions Actor before, cat dad. and it has not booked me anything. No, they're not very good. No, they're, they, they. You're great. I'm, it's I, not you. No, but you, you tell them we're gonna, you know, one take, and they're screaming and trying to get away from me. It's a nightmare. Very difficult to work with. Let's wrap this up, shall we? So, what we're gonna do for the end of each episode is that we are gonna give two ratings. One rating is gonna be for Nicolas Cage for his acting prowess. We're gonna give that out of 10 cages determining whether or not this was a film that you know did a good job of proving that Nicolas Cage is the greatest actor alive and the other rating we'll give is just a standard five-star rating to the film whether or not we would recommend you watching this as well if you didn't watch it for the show if you didn't care about the spoilers and you're still interested if you watched it and you're thinking do I agree this is the rating to consider. So, Artun, what would your ratings for this film be? For I the unbearable weight of un- massive talent. Unbearable weight of massive talent. I think I'm giving this film for his, for Nicolas Cage. I think it's like an easy eight and a half or nine out of ten cages. I I'm, love I, your I'm confidence. An, I'm an easy. I'm an. <laughs> I I generally tend to go high. Um, and for the movie, I think this is a solid four out of five stars. I would absolutely recommend anyone and everyone to go see it in theaters i think it's so fun it's funny uh and i think you'll have a good time it's like an hour and 45 minutes or something like that so it's not like no it's two oh i don't know actually yeah it's it's now like an hour 47 i think i don't remember so i'm sorry for my strong reaction <laughs> yeah it's not it's not like every other movie released now that's two and a half hours minimum three that's hours. what i was thinking i was gonna shout that it was two and a half hours you know what it was i watched the batman last you night you watched the batman last night no easy to confuse and that's three hours not even two and a half <laughs> that was so long yeah it's a long one that's a longie sorry <laughs> all right steen what about you oh i would it's funny that you say you said oh you gave such a high rating because for me an eight and a half is 85 percent that's a b plus that's not an acceptably high grade for me but i would give this a 10 out of 10 cages 10 out of 10 cages, 10 out of 10 cages. you it. said he was doing all acting across different genres he's acting as his young self as his old self as his true self as his false self i give this 10 out of 10 cages and and you'll just have to live in your shame of having given this a tepid 
eight and a half originally. I think it could go higher, but I just need to see. I think I need to watch more movies. I need to see the full range before. I think you know the ratings can be say what you want. Shifted. We all heard you. <laughs> and then I, but I would agree with your four four out of five star rating for this was a great, totally enjoyable film. Um, but it's it's not the kind of thing I would. It's not. I'm not ready to give it the five star stake my life on it claim I think mm-hmm. because it loses so much steam in the third act but I would say first half five star movie overall four star movie yeah uh, agreed agreed well thank folks, you so much for listening thank you so much for today, listening for watching for listening for hanging out that's right so next week we are going to be back with the fast times at Ridgemont High now the true cage heads will know that the best of times is mm. his first IMDB credit mm. but this is a it was a TV pilot that's unaired that's on YouTube in a really bad quality and we might revisit that at some point Hopefully in like a bonus we will. episode that's the goal is to do chronological but there will be some things I've, I'm like I don't know where we're gonna watch this and so if people come out of the woodworks they're like don't worry my grandma taped uh, yeah if anyone has VHS a high quality a uh, anyone has a high quality rendering of the best of times let us An know unlisted youtube link that they want to share with us like, exactly let us know um so but we are watching fast times next yes week. we are watching the fast times at ridgemont high uh directed by amy heckerling and written by cameron crow so that's going to be next week uh so tune in if you want to rewatch rewatch it if you've watched it a long time ago and you're like you know what that's enough great we'll be happy to have you now you know how we feel about the movie, and we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CageOldQuestion, and send any emails to CageOldQuestionPod at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us five stars. If you don't want to give us five stars, don't review us. Uh, it's our first week. We're trying to get out there, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Um, as one final disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. Uh, signing off. That's Artoon Nazareth. And Christina. Did that so? Should we fix that uh, signing yeah. off? <laughs> and signing off. It's Artoon Nazareth. And Christina. More. It's no. Christina don't Moore. say Christina <laughs> yeah, Moore. I don't want to say Christina Moore. <laughs> this is Christina and Artoon Nazareth. And Artoon Nazareth. Really signing off. Right. Signing off. I just say it's like. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm gonna say. It. I'm gonna say. Watch with us next time. This is Christina. And Artoon. Have a happy... You're supposed to say Nazareth. You're supposed to say Artoon Nazareth. And Artoon Nazareth. Right? Why would this you is... change up what you would say and then you're going to start to say and a I'm happy new year? I'm just trying to figure out it's got to be equal. It's one, two, one, two. No, no. I'm Not just one, two, Christina. One. Like Cher? <laughs> sure, like Cher. <laughs> or Madonna? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is Artoon Nazareth. No. No. <laughs> Watch with us next time. I'm Christina. And I'm Artoon Nazareth. And, and this, this is Cage Old Question. question. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.